What's going on, guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Thursday, so time to go over all the running backs I'd be starting and sitting this week. Remember, I do have my exact rankings and projections up on the website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. So if you are still unsure about who to start, who to sit, or if there's late-breaking news, you can always look at that and you'll have my exact answer. So, let's start things off with the Thursday night game, the grossest game of the week in terms of total. Steelers at Browns, 38.5 point total. Browns, 4.5 point home favorites. For fantasy, there's really only one decision to be made in this game. You are always starting Najee Harris and Nick Chubb while they are healthy. So the only question is with Kareem Hunt. You prefer, when you're playing Hunt, for it to be in a high total game, potentially for the Browns to be falling behind, need to pass the ball. Neither of those are true this week. They should be winning, though it's only four and a half points. So like, you know, the game could be close. Pittsburgh could still be up. So it's not a guarantee they're going to be winning. But it's probably not going to be a higher total game. It's going to be a lower volume game. So not a good game environment. Um, given his you know, current usage in the offense, we're looking at about 10 carries, about three targets. And so maybe he falls into the end zone, which he's been known to do. He's really good in the red zone. But given that level of volume, he grades out as roughly the running back 30 this week. So wouldn't love him as my running back too but also wouldn't love him in the flex. It kind of hurts your flexibility, right? This is the Thursday game. So if you just use up your flex spot for Kareem Hunt, now if there is, you know, a late-breaking injury, like you just have less flexibility with what you can do. So personally, I'd prefer to bench him, but if you have to play him as like a low-end running back two, I suppose you could do so again, running back 30. Next up, we've got Chiefs at Colts, this game has a 50.5 point total, so a, a better game environment there. Chiefs, six point road favorite, so definitely favorite over the Colts, who, I mean, let's be honest, were embarrassed last week. Was it 24 0 against the Jaguars? Uh, for the Chiefs, Clyde is far from a must start. You know, he has 15 carries on the season, seven targets on the season. Those are not good totals. Again, that's, you know, seven and a half carries, three and a half targets per game. That's not a lot of production there. But the touchdowns are what's going to save him, and he's probably going to be efficient in this offense. To be fair, though, to Clyde, one of those games was a blowout, you know, and the other one was a pretty low-volume game for the Chiefs. And so, on average, he is going to have more touches. I have him projected this week for 11 carries and four targets. That's just, you know, slightly better than someone like uh, Kareem Hunt, and also in a better game environment, you boost up the touchdown potential. He's a 60% chance of scoring a touchdown this week. Combine that all, he's a little bit better in that running back 25 to 28 sort of range. So on the fringes this week, but I think, you know, given how bad the Colts looked, given that they should be winning the game, again, given those touchdown expectations, I think you can feel solid about starting him in running back two or in the flex spot. For the Colts, obviously, start Jonathan Taylor. Um, solid spot for Hines. We always want him in high total games when they're trailing. Both of those should happen this week. The problem is the volume. You know, he's still only going to get around 9, 10, 11 carries plus targets. So that's fine if, you know, five or six of those come through the air. But if he has a game where he only has eight carries and four targets, that's like, you know, he's got to be pretty good on a per touch basis to be worth starting and you're definitely 
going to be disappointed in Hines if he does not score a touchdown, no matter what the scoring format is. Absolutely leaning towards him in full PPR. If you're in a standard scoring league, you probably can't even really consider him. Uh, but yeah, more of like a, a lower-end flex option. Wouldn't be super excited to use him, but if you had to, there is still a chance that the Colts are trailing early, that they lean more towards Hines, and he is able to rack up five or six receptions. So in full PPR, if you have to do it, it is okay. Preference is you have better options. Ravens at Patriots. Up next, this game has a 43.5 point total. Ravens, 2.5 point road favorites. For the Ravens, there is a decent chance that Dobbins returns this week, but I really don't think it matters. Like, if you're watching this and you're like, oh no, he's actually out again, like, or he's playing, I don't care. I don't think you're starting any Ravens running back this week, no matter what the status of Dobbins is. New England is a brutal spot to play in, especially for opposing running backs, and no one, not even Dobbins, is going to get enough volume this week to be worth starting. You could start someone if we expected them to get 17 touches, you know, because they'd have low efficiency, low touchdown upside, but at least they'd be getting all those touches. I don't know if anyone's going to get to 10 touches this week for Baltimore, and so, no, it's a no for all Baltimore running backs. For the Patriots, they have been awful on offense so far this season. It is really difficult to watch them play, averaging 12 points per game, three total touchdowns. Fortunately, they're only going to be giving touches to Harris and Stevenson, so each one's going to operate as a featured running back for half the game. Unfortunately, that's not really enough total volume to be worth starting unless they score, and in a pretty bad game environment for an offense that only has three total touchdowns through two games, again, 12 total points per game, you know, they're lower-end flex options for me. Like I said, they're going to operate as feature backs for half the game, and so you could get maybe Stevenson for a few drives. Really, they start to click. He racks up, you know, three, four receptions, scores a touchdown, but it's like you're just kind of hoping for those things to happen, and so I would hope that if you're starting one of these two that maybe it's because you went wide receiver heavy and they're like you're running back two, which you've got, you know, really good wide receivers, really good quarterback, tight end playing. You really just need a few points from the spot. If you went running back heavy to start, I find it hard to believe you'll be starting either of these two running backs this week. Wait for the offense to start clicking. Wait for them to get into like a, a better spot, I guess. Not a good spot this week. Next up, Raiders at Titans. 45 and a half point total. Raiders, two point road favorites. For the Raiders, Bolden was out last week, and so Jacobs was close to a featured running back, which should be exciting, right? But since they throw the ball so much, and since he, as a player, gets so few targets, he only managed to score 8.6 half PPR points despite 20 touches. This was my worry about Jacobs in this system. He can get all the carries he wants but the lack of targets is going to really hurt him. Like he is up to two targets on the season through two weeks. If he's only getting one target per game, unless that target turns into a touchdown or a really long game, and he's actually been lucky with how long the targets uh, have turned into like receptions, like he's fine right now. But as soon as they start giving white touches, which we don't really know when that's going to happen. Maybe they start giving him more work soon. Like, it is over for Jacobs as soon as that starts happening. I don't think this is the week where they all of a sudden give Zamir White, like, 
seven carries. Again, when that starts happening, Jacobs can't even be trusted at all. But I think this week, I'm projected for 15 carries, his one target with a 70% chance of scoring. And, you know, that's worth starting as a running back to maybe a lower end flex option. I don't think I'd love him to flex as I feel like you have a wide receiver that could be played over him, especially with just like that no real reception upside. Like I would play a wide receiver over him in the flex. But if you need him as running back too, maybe because you drafted him kind of early, I think he is fine. Good chance of scoring. Uh, going to get a lot of touches overall. But again, if he doesn't score, you're going to be disappointed in his production. As for the Titans, always start Derrick Henry. Um, I know the production hasn't really been there yet for Henry, but that's, I mean, it's what we talked about over the summer. Like, he's going to have blow-up games, and that's why you need to obviously start him every single week. Like, he's going to have a game this season with 150 rushing yards and two or three touchdowns. It's going to happen. Maybe he'll have two of them. But those games happen when the Titans are ahead and they're able to use him late in the game. But since the Titans are such a worse offense this season and are going to be winning so much less often, his fantasy production is going to suffer. Again, he does well when the Titans are winning. It does not work the other way around. That has been proven for a number of years now. That is how it works. They don't win when he does well. He does well because they're winning. I promise that's how it works. Bengals at Jets is up next. This game has a 45-point total. Bengals are only five-point road favorites. I feel like um, I wonder what the betting line was if you could get like a future bet in like week one. Maybe like nine points. Like If we knew Joe Flacco would be the quarterback, Bengals at Jets, I think it would have been like a nine or a ten-point spread. But it's only five points because they have lost to Trubisky and to Cooper Rush in back-to-back weeks. So if he, they lose this week, the Bengals. It's only a five-point spread. That's not a crazy amount. They'll have lost to Trubisky, Cooper Rush, and Joe Flacco to start the season. Brutal. For the Bengals, though, always start Joe Mixon. Um, I know last week it wasn't as good as week one, but he's got good volume. He's a good player. Like You just have to start him every week. For the Jets, it's a tough call. Uh, Carter will probably get more carries and they'll like roughly split the targets. I think there's going to be a lot of variance to the targets, but you know, Joe Flacco likes throwing to running backs. Uh, they're both capable in the receiving game. Like they both have a ceiling in the passing attack. So probably going to be a split on average, although it's going to vary week to week. Hall is the more explosive player though. And he carries a little bit more per touch upside. So like over the long run, if you gave him both 12 touches per week, like there will be weeks where Carter has way more production there. But on average, Hall is going to break play like longer plays at a higher rate. And so um, per touch, you like him a little bit more. Uh, It's just not ideal, obviously, having them split the workload. But Carter isn't a bad running back. So it's not like one of those situations where you're like, what are they doing? Why are they not giving Brees Hall more work? Like Carter is good and he's been good like he has good production like he's, he's a quality running back and so it makes sense that they're still using him I view both these backs as like a low-end running back two uh, and I actually would feel fine starting either of them obviously this is the Jets they could fall apart at any moment but there's not that many game scripts where they're going to be completely taken out of the game. If they happen to be winning this week, which again could happen, it's probably unlikely, but if they were, both these running backs would rack up a lot of carries and they would have a better chance of scoring because they're winning the game. They probably score touchdowns. And so that would be a good game script for them. But even if Cincy pulls ahead, 
Both of these backs, like I said, are very good in the receiving game, are going to have reception upside, and so they could rack up receptions that way. So no matter how the game plays out, both are going to be used. Right now, Carter's my running back 19, Hall's my running back 23. Again, both can be used as a running back two, not one you're like super pumped about. And for where you drafted them, you might only have to use them in the flex, but I think you could use them at running back two. Next up, we've got Bills at Dolphins. 52 and a half point total. I want to say this is tied with that Vikings and uh, Lions game for the highest total of the week, but 52 and a half points. Bills, six point road favorites. So again, it's a very good game environment. I know both teams have quality defenses, but really good offense does beat really good defense. That's what Vegas is projecting to happen. It does not mean the game's going to explode, but it means that even with quality defenses on both sides, we should expect fantasy production. However, if you look at the Bills side, it is pretty impossible to trust any of them. Buffalo ranks first in points per game with 36 points per game this season. Obviously, we're through two weeks, but like, that's really good, right? And they're tied for first with four and a half touchdowns per game. So you would expect the running back on a team like that to be productive. Singletary ranks 48th, Moss ranks 60th, Cook ranks 70th in half EPR scoring. Three of them have a combined zero touchdowns. This is a pass-first offense that runs exclusively through Josh Allen when they get even remotely close to the goal line. I would not start any of them. For the Dolphins, Mostert had a better workload uh, this last week than he did in week one, and so that's pretty encouraging for him. But he can't be used right now, and it's discouraging if you have Chase Edmonds because we saw Edmonds have a solid workload in week one. He was getting some carries. He was getting the targets, and we're like, wow, this will be great if it continues. If he can get, you know, 10 to 12 carries, three to five targets in the in the receiving game, like, he'll, he'll be good this season. But now, if they're going to start using Mostert more, that reduces the early down upside. And honestly, Mostert ran a decent amount of, like, routes last week. He had a, a lot of snaps, so he ran a good amount of routes, more than we thought he would. It just caps the upside of both of them. And so I think we we want to see one more week of production, see what they do this week. Um, and it's also, like I said, the environment is good, but Buffalo is still a good team. So on a per-touch basis, they're not going to be highly efficient. And so if you think Miami is trailing in the spot and that Edmonds can rack up four or five receptions, you can start him in a full PPR format. Um, I would say bench him, both running backs, watch what happens this week, and we'll evaluate starting in week four. Eagles at Commanders. Pretty good game for this one. A little bit of a revenge narrative. Carson Wentz here. 47.5 point total. Eagles 6.5 point road favorites. They have been really, really good this season, but the Commanders have been better than we thought they would be as well. For the Eagles, Miles Sanders has been operating as the pretty clear lead back. I think more than people thought he would uh, over the summer. People thought it would be much more of a committee. He's got over 41% of the team's carries. Still an 8% target share, which is certainly not bad. That's like pretty solid for running back. Um, that gives him a projection. 15 carries, 3 targets this week. Uh, which is definitely good enough usage to be used as a running back too. Especially in this offense. Elite offensive line. Projected to score 27 points. So the touchdown upside is absolutely there. I know Jalen Hurts is going to you know cap a lot of that upside. But... He's going to be efficient. He has a chance of scoring. He's going to be solid. Um, I think you're just playing Sanders. If you have him, no other running backs behind him can be trusted. For the Commanders, 
I think you got to just keep starting Gibson while Brian Robinson is out. I think Robinson is going to take over as a lead back by some time around like mid-season. But even in a tough spot, while Robinson is still out, I think Gibson, you know, is expected to get enough touches to where you should be starting him. And I wouldn't start McKissick unless you're in like a pretty deep full PPR format. Texans at Bears up next. 40.5 point totals, one of the lower total games of the week. But that makes sense. It's Texans and Bears. Bears, two and a half point home favorites, probably one of the only games that the Bears are going to be favorites in this season. Uh, and we've got some really encouraging news about Damian Pierce. We're going to start off with Texans. We always start with the road team. Um, encouraging news this week about Pierce. So last week, they talked about how they probably did not give him enough touches. Um, it did seem like it was by design, like they wanted to kind of ease him in and give Burkhead more in week one. So I don't think it was like a mistake. Like they weren't just like, oh, whoops, right? Like I think it was by design. And afterwards they were like, yeah, we should give him more touches. Um, and so they did. He got 100% of the running back carries this last week in week two. And then he outtouched Burkhead 16 to three overall, which is very, very impressive. Then the coaches, you know, they come out and they say this week, Basically, like I'm um, kind of like uh, paraphrasing here, but all non Damian Pierce players need to finish plays better. They need to play more aggressive. They need to like, you know, I don't want to say hustle more, but like they got to finish plays. But then it was basically like, but Pierce is the exception because he's been doing that on every touch. And we could see that in the preseason. We can see that in the first few weeks. Like he's a good running back. He plays through contact. He's going to finish plays. They like Pierce. They're going to give Pierce more touches. And again, he's coming off a game in his second career game where he had 100% of the running back carries. Now, I'm not projecting that because if I do, he's going to like shoot through the, through the roof. Like I, I don't think I can project him for like 20 carries. Um, I don't even actually know what it would come out to if I gave him 100%. But I think I have him at like 75%. Like he's probably going to get the vast majority of the running back carries. And I know he's not like some huge threat in the receiving game, but let's be honest, neither is Rex Burkhead. And if they want to just put this kid on the field more, I think he can start to rack up two to three targets a game, which doesn't seem like a lot. But if he's turning that into like one to two receptions to go along with, you know, 15 to 18 carries every week, you're starting him every week. And I have him in one of my three leagues. I have not played him yet. I haven't felt comfortable enough with the volume yet. This week, I do. I am playing him. It is a good spot. Obviously, it's not ideal being a road underdog, but it's barely an underdog. It's against the Bears who have not been good on offense. There's absolutely a chance that Houston finds himself ahead in the second half, that they lean on Pierce, and that he goes for like 100 and a score. So I'm playing him this week. I featured him in the trade targets video. I think this is the optimal time to trade for him because if he goes out there in this week and he yet again has 100% of the carries, he does have like 100 touchdowns because, again, it's the Bears. We're not terrified of that defense. Um, I, I don't think you'll ever be able to trade for him again. So, again, I'm starting him. I think you should too. Um, he's not a lock because if it doesn't work out the way that I'm saying and he only gets like his one target and like 14, 15 carries, then he's probably not going to be worth the start. But I'm trusting it. I think they give him the touches this week. I'm starting him. For the Bears, current backfield split is 53% of the carries for Montgomery. 22% for Herbert, and then like Fields isn't a running back, but he makes up the uh, remaining percent. I don't know what that is off the top of my head. It's around 25%. The real difference, though, is the targets. So Montgomery has a 21% target share, which is wild. Uh, he hasn't gone off yet because they don't throw the ball. Like, even though he has 21% share, like it's such a low volume offense, that's not even like that much. Uh, but Herbert only has a 7% share. In a low volume offense, that's not great. So. What can we expect to change? Like, I think you're rostering Herbert 
long term because I think he's honestly a better early down back than Montgomery. And I think he fits the offense better. And I think there's a chance to close the season. He's their lead back. But know that for the whole season, Montgomery is going to be their third down back. He's going to be someone to use in the receiving game. And the odds are, unless he suffers an injury, he's probably going to be the starting running back. And I think he gets enough touches. I think being roughly three-point home favorites in a winnable game for them, again, not going to be many games this season where uh, the Bears are winning late in the game. If they have a chance to do so this week, playing at home, if you've got Montgomery, I don't think you're benching him. I think he's a really good play this week. Not a lock to go off because he's Montgomery and it's the Bears, but I think if you have him, you're playing him. I don't think you can trust Herbert, but again, I want him on my roster because I think he has upside long-term. Next up, Saints at Panthers. Low, again, 4.5 point total. Saints, 3-point road favorites. For the Saints, it looks like Kamara is going to return this week, in which case the Saints breakdown is pretty easy. Start Kamara, bench everyone else. If he's out again, then Ingram is a perfectly fine replacement. Certainly not the must-start it used to be. It used to be like, oh, Kamara's out, running back one for Ingram. I don't think that's the case. But, you know, if you handcuffed Kamara with Ingram, it's pretty easy. Just play Ingram. If Kamara's out, make the switch. If Kamara's playing, obviously play him. Don't play anyone else. I think everyone... Um, I don't know. Everyone that has Kamara like wants kind of a, a take here. I, I saw, you know, probably the most liked comment in the trade targets video, I think, was asking about an update about Kamara. The thing with him is like it's difficult to kind of give him an exact value long term. We're only working off of one week of data. Like we have one game to work with, and then he was out in week two. So you don't want to overreact to one week. You don't want to say that that's exactly what he'll do long-term or that's never going to happen again because it's one week, right? But the receiving workload was a little bit less than we were expecting going into the season. And I suppose that makes sense. They have Michael Thomas. They have Landry who are capable. Obviously, we've talked about Landry maybe getting less volume in the future, but like capable players and Michael Thomas being very good. And then Olave, you know, he was a monster last week and he's commanding a bunch of targets. And it's like having those three is absolutely going to impact the receiving upside of Kamara. And if they're passing a lot too, that's going to like reduce the carries. And so if, if we're going to more like 14 to 17 touches for him, you're starting him every week. He's still a great player. He still has plenty of weekly upside, weekly touchdown upside, reception upside. It's all there. But there'll just be more games where you're disappointed. And then especially when we don't fully know his status coming off this injury, we don't know if it's going to impact him super long term. Like there are concerns and I think all of them are valid. I think under no circumstance are you trading him away right now. That would make no sense to do. You're trading low on a stud player after one week of production. That makes no sense to me. But I don't think I'm going out of my way to trade for him because it's still going to cost you like roughly first or second round value. And it's like unless someone's just giving him away, which I don't think anyone's going to do. It's just worth being like, hey, let's see one more week. Let's see what the production is. Maybe he's got really good volume and the production is there and then we can trade for him. But I just have concerns long term. And so I think you absolutely can if someone is willing to give him to you at a discount. But play him for now if he's playing and we'll see what happens long term. But again, for this week, if he's playing, play him. If he's not playing, it's Ingram. On the other side, always start McCaffrey. Very easy one there. Next game, probably the most exciting game of the week. Lions at Vikings. This game has a very high 
52 and a half point total. Vikings, six point home favorites. For the Lions, you are starting Swift every single week. The only decision here is with Williams. I think Jamal is a fine play in deeper formats, but you're basically just praying that he vultures another touchdown from Swift, which is going to happen a lot this season. They like him at the goal line. So there's definitely potential there, obviously, because if this is a really good game environment we like, like I think there's a lot of chances that the Lions are going to be in scoring position in this game. But I would say if you're in a 10 or a 12 team league and you didn't go RB0, he's been running back 38 and I, I just don't see myself wanting to start him this week. For the Vikings, eh, pretty easy. Always play Dalvin Cook. I know that like the production hasn't totally been there yet this season, but this is a blow-up spot. He's produced really well against uh, the Lions in his career. Like You're, you're playing Dalvin Cook. You're, you're not going to bench him in this game. Four o'clock games kick off with Jaguars at Chargers. This game has a 47.5 point total. Chargers, seven-point home favorites. For the Jaguars, current split. This year has been 63% of the carries and 6% of the targets to Robinson, 24% of the carries, 10% of the targets to ETN. ETN has been significantly more efficient with his touches, though. He's gained 1.3 more yards per carry, 4.5 more yards per reception. We only have two games, so that could absolutely fluctuate. But I think if you watch them play, you're like, this makes sense. ETN is a much more explosive player. He's going to be better on a per-touch basis. Now, it is possible that they start to shift more touches to ETN, especially as he you know progresses in the career. He's only played two career games so far. Uh, and if Robinson continues to be relatively inefficient, then you know maybe they shift more work to him. But I'm expecting that to like slightly happen this week, but not really that much. And so I think Robinson and ETN... They're both fine. They're both perfectly fine to play in the flex. Um, I would say they're very low-end running back twos. I wouldn't feel super confident in playing either of them, um, especially, you know, the Jaguars have been, like, really, really good so far in offense. Um, maybe that doesn't continue in a very difficult spot against the Chargers. Chargers have a very, very, very good defense. So, you know, we've seen them produce pretty well so far, but what are they going to do against the Chargers. Like, I, I'm not 100% confident in the production. So, low end twos, maybe playing the flex, um, but don't expect, you know, like multiple touchdowns every week from Robinson. Uh, again, I like ETN long term. I think they can start to push more work towards him. Uh, but yeah, lower end options this week. Uh, Chargers, easy. Play Eckler. Don't play anyone else. Um, that doesn't matter what the quarterback situation ends up being. I'm pretty sure Herbert's going to play, but regardless, play Eckler. Rams at Cardinals. Up next, this game has a 48.5 point total. Rams, 3.5 point road favorites. For the Rams, Henderson was a featured running back in week one. Certainly was not in week two. Akers ends up playing 43% of the snaps, handles 15 carries, three targets. That's a pretty good workload. Unfortunately, he was only able to turn that into 62 total yards. So that's 18 potential opportunities, 62 yards. That is inefficient. Henderson handled 56% of the snaps, but he didn't command a single target. He got 10 carries for 47 yards, so I suppose that's like average. Neither of them was that good. Neither of them proved that they need to get more touches. The odds are 
this is going to be a committee rest of season unless Akers continues to get like, you know, like two yards per carry. At some point, they're going to be like, we're not giving this kid any more touches. So we'll see what ends up happening. I'm projecting a rough split with Henderson getting more of the workload this week. Uh, but still, I mean, Henderson's running back 29, Akers at 47. It's not great. And it stinks because like this is a good game. This is a really good game environment, but it's a better game environment through the air. And the Rams would prefer to throw anyways. And if they're not going to target the running backs that much, you're just praying one of them scores. So Henderson, maybe in the flex, uh, if you wanted to bench both, that's fine. Uh, Cardinals. Up next, we've got Connor suffering the ankle injury in week two. It seemed minor. Um, he hasn't played yet. I don't know. I'm recording this like right before it goes out on Thursday. I don't know that he's practiced on Thursday. You guys can check that. Uh, hasn't practiced yet through the week. I would just say it seemed minor again. I feel like my guess is that he does play. If he doesn't practice all the way through Friday, let's be honest, he's not going to be out there. So if he plays, I would say that like he's a low end running back too. Um, I would imagine that like he's had durability concerns in the past. He's coming off an ankle injury. Like they, they're not going to overload him with touches. And so low end two, you're praying he scores. Uh, and I, you can't play Eno or Daryl if he's active. But if he ends up being out, then I think the backups will like probably split the touches. Eno will get more work through the air. Daryl will get more work uh, in like on the ground and carries. Maybe a little bit more work near the goal line. I wouldn't be in love with either of them. But I think Eno would grade out as like roughly a low end two, so you could play him at that running back two spot. Um, Daryl would be like fine to play in the flex. Um, I think we're gonna know like Friday Saturday exactly what the status is. And obviously, it's not a fantastic spot playing the Rams, but let's say you have James Conner, you picked up one of Daryl or Eno, I think you just basically wait. If he plays, play him. If he doesn't play, play whichever one you picked up. Understand that the production is not going to be fantastic, but I think it's worth the risk. Like, they're not going to throw him out there if he can't play, and so I think you play him if he's out there. Unless we get, like, some report that he's limited to, like, 20 snaps, but it's just, like, it would make no sense to me. Like, if they're going to limit him, just hold him out a week and have him good to go next week. So I think if he plays, you can trust that he's healthy enough to play. Next up, Packers at Bucks. Uh, historically, would be a fantastic game, but it's a 41.5 point total. Bucks, one half point home favorites. We are not expecting fireworks in this one. I know this is Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, but this is Tom Brady with a banged up offensive line, a suspended Mike Evans, an injured Chris Godwin, like no Antonio Brown, no Gronk. Like the playmakers are not there right now. And then you look on the Packers side, well, there's no more Adams. And we've got Lazard coming off an injury who should be better, but is also at Bucks, a different, difficult spot to play in. Like it, it makes sense that the total is 41 and a half points. It's not a good game environment. That being said, uh, just like start Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette. Like they get enough touches where you're definitely starting them. Only consideration here comes down to AJ Dillon. And honestly, I just think that like Rodgers trusts the wide receivers so little that even though it's a brutal matchup, especially it, it favors Aaron Jones because he's better in the receiving game. But if they at least go back to giving Dillon a few targets in the passing attack, he's going to have enough touchdown upside. He'll still get work on the ground. He should get a few targets to where I think if you've got him, and you don't have some like rock solid running back to play him again, horrible game environment, horrible spot, but he's got a good chance of scoring a touchdown. Still a good player. Still should get some targets. I think you play again, definitely play Fournette 
and Aaron Jones, but I think you play A.J. Dillon as well. Falcons at Seahawks is up next. This game is a 41.5 point total. Seahawks, half a point. Favorites, probably the only time they'll be favorites this season. Maybe they can squeak out one more game. And who knows, to close the week, they might not even be favorites. The Falcons, I think you're starting Patterson. Uh, we went over last week how he's not going to be featured pretty much ever. Uh, week one was an outlier because right at the start of the game, you have who is going to be their lead back get injured. And so they only have really Patterson active, and so they have to give him all these touches. But we were like, that's not going to happen again. They're going to activate Algier. He's going to play in week two. And so we saw Patterson drop from 22 carries and five targets to 10 carries and one target. Now, I think he's going to get a little bit more work than that on average, especially in a winnable game this week. They could be playing from ahead. Uh, he should get a little bit more touches. Um, but since you know he's not going to be like hyper-efficient every game, like he only scored four fantasy points last week, he's not going to have five and a half yards per carry. He's not going to score a touchdown every week. He's not going to be featured when their other running back doesn't get injured. So don't look at week one and be like, that's going to happen all the time. I think something in the middle of week one and week two is what we should expect. Um, but in a good spot, I think he's going to have, you know, in that like 15, 16 touch kind of range, you're hoping more comes through the air, but it might not happen that way with how well Drake London is playing with how much they're going to involve Pitts a little bit more. They don't need to use Patterson as much. So around 15, 16 touches, uh, about 50-50 to score a touchdown. I think that's worth playing as a running back too if you got him. For the Seahawks, uh, Ken Walker returned last week. He was given a 25% share of the team's carries, 10% target share, which is, you know, pretty solid for his first week coming off of injuries. Uh, that resulted in Penny getting six carries and zero targets. This is a bad offense. They're going to play very slow, so the total volume will be limited. And if they're also going to be in a committee now, I don't think you can start either one of them. So for the time being, unless someone gets hurt, bench both Penny and Walker. Sunday night game. It's going to be 49ers at Broncos. 45-point total. 49ers, one-point road favorites. Oh, how the mighty have fallen for the Broncos. You know, we thought they were going to be fantastic this season. Uh, but they are now playing effectively a backup quarterback. It's Jimmy G, so not really. Uh, and they are home underdogs. For the 49ers, Trey Sermon was cut. Elijah Mitchell is out. Terry Davis-Price is out. Trey Lance is out. That leaves the backfield to Jeff Wilson, Jordan Mason, and maybe newly signed Marlon Mack. We'll see if he's active on Sunday. You're probably not going to know that. Come the 1 o'clock games, though I don't think it matters. I don't think they're going to give Marlon Mack many touches. Jeff Wilson is not a good running back, but... He is the only healthy body left at this point. He's probably going to get around 16 to 20 touches. He's going to have a roll to goal line. You're starting him as running back too if you have him. Now, it's not a lock because they like Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason is a quality receiving back. Jordan Mason was good in camp. He was turning a lot of heads in camp. If he can have a good week of practice, if they give him more touches, there is a chance that he starts performing really well and that maybe they lean on him a little bit more. For right now, though, he's a stash. He's not someone you're starting. For the Broncos, always start Javonta Williams, and you can play Gordon if you're desperate. Just know that he's going to get like 11 to 13 carries, minimal work in the receiving game. Uh, maybe we can start to lean on him. Like I said, Denver has not been as good as we thought they'd be. If the offense starts to click, and if, you know, they get rolling in like, you know, a few weeks and start to really score more touchdowns, we'll start to use Gordon. For right now, I want to see the offense work a little bit better before playing him. 
Final game of the week. Monday Night Football, Cowboys, Giants. This game has a 39-point total. Giants are actually one-point home favorites, which feels aggressive to me. Also, side note, the two island games, or I guess the, the island games for like being the only game on that day, Thursday and Monday night, are the two worst games of the week in terms of total. We've got a 38.5-point total for the Thursday game, 39-point total for the Monday game. So they picked the two worst game environments to show us in prime time. Dallas. Uh, we thought they would lean on Zeke a little bit more last week. That ends up happening. They gave him more carries than they would on average. I would imagine that continues. He should see around 14 to 16 carries, maybe a few targets as well. Uh, that kind of depends on the game script there. It's a bad game environment overall, but I think he's going to get enough touches. He's got a good enough chance of scoring. He's the most likely to score on the team that I think you're playing him as running back too. Pollard's a little bit more difficult to get behind. He was playing really great last week and still only got 39% of the snaps, 13 total touches. I wish they'd use him more. Uh, it does not seem like they want to. It does not seem like they are going to, and I don't expect them to. So he's a low-end flex option. Uh, ideally, you're playing someone else over him. Then finally, for the Giants, always start Saquon, and there's nothing else to really go over there. So... That is a breakdown of every game this week. If you have any other questions and didn't answer, or I talked about two players, I said they're both low-end twos and you don't know which one to start, you can always see my exact rankings at my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com, and it will be adjusted for all late-breaking news. I'll be back tomorrow to do this exact same thing for wide receivers, and then Saturday to go over my favorite plays this week. That, my friends, is in this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, have a hit the like button, and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.